Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to gore, sexual assault, sexual content, racism, slavery, human suffering, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. I assure you everything we're doing is completely Lee's that the army. Here's your pill. Here's your pill. Take your cyanide. Run! I'm Andy. Oh, no. This is the fleas and flu division. HR is the next division over. I'm Adam. What are you screaming about? This is good data. You should be celebrating. I'm Kelly. Man, plague rat duty again. Everything awful happens to me. I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This week, we're going to be talking about Unit 731. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll get into it. This episode is brought to you by our patron, Rick. If you'd like to become a patron and get access to episodes early and into our private Discord, check us out on Patreon. So no one knows what Unit 731 is then? I I think I think it's a robot. It's got to be a robot. Sounds like a scary military base. It is a scary military base. Or or a creepy Connex box that has the Ark of the Covenant in it. (laughs) Some sort of crack military team that took down Mussolini. (laughs) Well, I think we're going to need a little context here before we get to our quiz. So this is one of the rare occasions we'll, we'll do the quiz at the end. So Unit 731 starts with a mildly creepy guy named Shiro Ishii. Born in 1892 in Shibahama, Japan, he went to school to be a doctor. During his postgraduate, he became very interested in bacteria. He kept lots of petri dishes where he grew colonies and referred to them as pets. We're moving toward Batman villain. <laughs> a little bit. So he got some notice for this odd habit, and in a good way, for reasons I don't understand, and he was recruited into the army as a surgeon. Now, I started out by saying that Ishii was mildly creepy, and I think that's true. I couldn't find anything about him that said he was some psychopath or anything, and the only way to make his interest make sense is to make him a sort of comic book villain, because what (laughs) interested Ishii was biological weapons. Fun. So he's some sort of mad scientist. Uh, Yeah, I guess. Your love is like mad scientist. (laughs) In part, how to protect against and cure them, but mostly how to make them as lethal and widespread as possible. Bad. No. (laughs) So once in the army, he pushed hard for Japan to start their own biological weapon division. And to get things started, Ishii went on a two-year tour around the West where he took fastidious notes on all the horrible ways people were killed during World War I. And oh, the things he learned. Oh my. (laughs) I'm learning so much. (laughs) He came back to Japan, got a promotion, and in 1936, he was put in charge of Unit 731. Got a promotion for taking a vacation? (laughs) Basically, yeah. I mean, he came back and was like, I could make you so many weapons. (laughs) You're hired. They're going to be awful. Yeah. So what supervillain would be complete without their secret fortress? (laughs) 
So Ishii had been pushing for a facility to perform biological weapons tests for a few years, and when Japan invaded China in the early 1930s, some of the higher-ups that backed Ishii saw this as a perfect opportunity. He was waiting for some volcano real estate to open up. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just take Mount Fuji. (laughs) People will see that base. (laughs) Constructed in secret, Chinese laborers were blindfolded before being taken to the site so that they couldn't tell where it was. Oh, good. I thought they were going to be blindfolded building. (laughs) Actually, once they arrived, they wore blinders like a horse and were told to just focus on what they were building. (laughs) This is a really shitty building. (laughs) (laughs) What do these corners line up? Crap. (laughs) Laborers who worked on more evil parts of the building were just killed after they finished. Oh, Oh, good. Yay. 2.3 square miles or six square kilometers. It had 10 foot or three meter tall earthen walls topped with electrified barbed wire. (laughs) It's stabbing me and it hurts. (laughs) It had a moat and a drawbridge, though I could not confirm if it was filled with crocodiles. Damn it. Well, we don't know because anybody who built it died. That's true. They even killed the the crocodile handler. (laughs) (laughs) The complex had more than 150 buildings. Some were devoted to breeding plague fleas. Some had huge vats to mix up gallons of toxic chemicals. And lots were devoted to disposing of the dead. We call this one the Batman uh, villain showroom. (laughs) (laughs) There's something to be said for going all in on evil, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, that's quite a facility. Well, this is where we do the plague fleas. (laughs) This is where we workshop our snappy comebacks. (laughs) This room is full of just swivel chairs (laughs) and cats. It's going to be hard to find a good, like, peppy acronym for this in the the government, though. Well, we'll (laughs) see. It was spread out so much so that... If it were to get bombed, they'd only lose a little bit of the facility and not the whole thing. And to Ishii, it was a paradise. Hooray! They'd need a really big bomb, and America doesn't have those. (laughs) So, oh boy, the things they did in Unit 731. It's hard to find a place to start, but I guess we'll start with a sort of initiation when you come to the camp. If you work there, that is. They push you in one of the vets. (laughs) (laughs) So Unit 731 was an awful place to be, and they certainly used lots of prisoners, but it wasn't exactly a POW camp. It was a medical research facility. In Japanese paperwork, it was cheerfully named the Epidemic Prevention and Water Purification Department. (laughs) Well, you got to make epidemics to know how to prevent them. (laughs) And while they certainly had soldiers to wrangle test subjects, it was largely staffed by doctors and nurses. The stated goal was to train them how to deal with medical emergencies, specifically in regards to biological weapons, but also just how to deal with wartime injuries. We believe in hands-on experience. (laughs) In one story, a surgeon says he arrived at the camp and him and a dozen or so colleagues were led into a room. In there, there were two men tied and blindfolded. They stood around awkwardly for a while, and then a senior surgeon came in with a soldier, clapped his hands, and said, Okay, let's get started. Let's start with our onboarding. (laughs) One of our captives here will start the PowerPoint. (laughs) The soldier took out his gun and shot both men twice in the stomach. Oh, no. The head surgeon calmly said, Now, split into two groups and get those bullets out. Figure this one out. Team building. (laughs) No anesthetic was used ever of any sort in this entire facility. Well, that's a waste. I could use those chemicals to do something else. Yeah. 
The two men were held down on the dirt floor and operated on while fully awake. The bullets were removed and both men survived the procedure. The head surgeon commended such a good job because now they could be used for further practice. Right now, the new recruits went on to practice appendectomies, tracheotomies, and amputations on the men. They basically just kept hacking bits off until what was left finally died. There's no limit to what you can practice on one cadaver when you don't care about them. It's true. And that was the sort of thing they did in Unit 731. No, you'd understand. This man's Chinese. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So Unit 731 had eight divisions. Division 5 was training, which we just covered. It was hands-on, to say the least. Divisions 6 through 8 were the medical and administrative departments. I couldn't find specifics on which was which, but here's the sort of things they did. Everybody here a fan of the Mythbusters, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So when they're testing the lethality of explosives, they'll do a couple of rounds where they set up pressure sensors to find out how far out the blast is deadly. Then another to find out how far out the shrapnel is deadly. The Japanese wanted more real-world test results, so they would tie people to poles at set distances and then set off something nasty in the middle. Oh, good, yes. They figured out how far away grenades were effective, how close you had to stand to kill someone with a (laughs) flamethrower, and how much gas you needed of various forms to kill people under various conditions, like different wind directions, temperatures, and pressures. Science! (laughs) Yep. Where best to stab someone with a bayonet? Heck, even how far plague-infected fleas were willing to hop to infect someone. If I throw a handful of fleas at you, do you get infected? (laughs) Yeah. So another sector was assigned to research hypothermia and frostbite. People were tied up outside under various conditions to find out how long it took them to die. Sometimes they would be brought in to see if there was any possibility of saving them. In the frostbite department, a limb was dipped in ice water, then forcibly held out until it was frozen solid. Oh, good, yes. The old snowpiercer. (laughs) The scientists knew it was ready when they struck it, and it sounded like wood. Ooh. Nobody's home. (laughs) Then they would try various techniques to cure the frostbite, rubbing the limb vigorously, putting it near a fire, dipping it in hot water, and of course, just leaving it alone to see what happened as a control. All the tests were repeated at different time intervals with different temperatures, and whole rooms full of limbs were lost in testing. Your arm is frozen. Drink this chunky soup. (laughs) Yeah. How do I pick it up? (laughs) So just about anything got the green light for testing, burying people alive to see how long they took to die, building huge centrifuges to see how many G's were lethal, putting people in vacuum chambers to see how long it took for them to die, and consequently how long for their eyes to pop. Centrifuge just sounds like a military-grade carny ride. Yeah. Injecting people with animal blood, seawater, air bubbles... Heck, one prisoner recalled being woken up in the morning repeatedly by a guard tickling his nose with a feather. You dead yet? (laughs) (laughs) Just anything. If you could dream it, they would do it. So Division 1 was in charge of researching various biological agents like the plague, cholera, anthrax, typhoid, tuberculosis, and much more. All of these were stopped by Osmosis Jones, the big (laughs) biological agent. (laughs) So test subjects were injected with these substances, except for things like syphilis and gonorrhea. For STIs, an infected and non-infected person were put in the same room, and then they would point a gun at them and say, okay, get to fucking. (laughs) Hey, rub your thing on that. (laughs) 
So these injections were done in various sites on the body with various amounts to see where it was most and least effective. For lots of subjects, they would just wait to see what happened. But for others, they tried all kinds of techniques to fix the biological agent. They tried, well, damn near anything to see if it had an effect. Starvation, heat, electricity, you name it. Eels. <laughs> yeah, probably. So Division 2 was in charge of field testing the findings from the agents in Division 1. So they would crop dust towns with the plague, dropped cholera and typhoid into wells, even baked chemicals into snacks and handed them out to the locals. Hey, We know what cholera does to people. <laughs> you don't have to test that one. Well, uh, how much does it take to bring down a whole town, though? <laughs> Just give them a lot. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I, can't, I can't spare all this cholera, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to find the most lethal ways to use biological agents. Turns out that paratyphoid is the most effective killer. And if you want to make a bomb you can drop filled with plague rats and fleas, use porcelain shells. See, if they didn't do all this, we wouldn't know that now. It's yeah. true. I'm never going to. I wouldn't have been able to drop my rats wherever I want. <laughs> so grateful for this knowledge. <laughs> So Division 3 was in charge of making the weapons that would deploy all the various biological agents. And Division 4 was responsible for mass-producing things like tuberculosis and plague fleas. Must have been weird if you were in Division 3 and you were just the porcelain manufacturer. Yeah. <laughs> like, I make pots. This is, uh, this is a lot. Just me and Patrick Swayze here. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Whoopi Goldberg kissing me? <laughs> With all these experiments, they wanted to make sure to control for as many factors as possible. So they involved as many races from their prisoners as they possibly could, including some Japanese dissidents from back home. They performed the experiments on men and women and all ages, from elderly all the way down to embryo. Okay. As women were frequently raped until pregnant and then experimented on at various terms. <sighs> Children who were born in the camp were also test subjects. In almost every case, the test subjects were vivisected, which means they were cut apart while awake without anesthetic. Happy birthday, Timmy. <laughs> These living autopsies were performed at various stages of hypothermia, syphilis progression, and anthrax infection. And sometimes they would have wacky Wednesdays where they would just try stuff to see what happened, like... What if you cut off someone's arms and attach them back the wrong way around? <laughs> if it isn't my old friend, Mr. McGregor, with a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg. <laughs> and the administrative division kept copious notes on everything that happened. They also kept lots of samples in formaldehyde with labels like Russian 38 frostbitten left foot. <laughs> well, this means nothing. <laughs> There's now, a level of evil where you go beyond like... Even like Batman villain or just like <laughs> maniacal world destroyer. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like, science. This isn't classy anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was just all about science. They just wanted to know for absolutely certain. They wanted to know. It's the science of murder. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's one of Gandhi's seven social sins. Yeah. Science without humanity. Yeah, this was... 100% science and 0% humanity, absolutely. Clearly he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> now, all this was horrible and very, very illegal. <laughs> there were lots of treaties around from World War I and before about how you had to treat prisoners. The Japanese just decided that learning all this was more important. 
They did this and fought such an effective war by dehumanizing other cultures. That's nothing new, but man, did they do a good job of it. I don't know how you can stay that objective when someone is crying and screaming at you, but to them, the subjects were little more than interesting Petri dishes. Sure noisy samples we got today. Even outside the experiments, the treatment of the prisoners was appalling, and it goes without saying that rape was widespread. Not even in a particularly malicious way, just in a I've got 20 minutes before my shift starts sort of way. Hmm. There's even stories of cannibalism. Again, not due to lack of meat, but just out of morbid curiosity. What does this taste like? Just have to know. Does old flesh taste better than young flesh? (laughs) But no matter how subhuman they came to see their prisoners, they knew they were up to no good. As soon as word came through that the emperor had surrendered, Ishii went around, shot the last of the prisoners, let out all the plague mice, which (laughs) probably killed a few thousand more people... (laughs) Be free, free, (laughs) my children. Gave all the employees emergency cyanide pills, told them to take the secrets to their grave, and set a bunch of timed explosives before running for the hills. Jeez. Wow. Why didn't he do the cyanide? Hey! No, he brought brought one. Okay. Unfortunately, they had built a damn sturdy building, plus their (laughs) habit of spreading things out, so lots of documents survived. (laughs) Not a majority or anything, but enough to show that some shit went down. And it turns out that most people don't have the cojones to down a cyanide pill and would much rather fess up. Oops. Yeah. So with their backs to the walls, the scientists proposed exchanging their freedom for all their data. And this was a problem. Because what they did was absolutely horrendous and unforgivable. But the fact of the matter is that they wrote down so much scientific data that no one had ever been able to get before. Because no matter how close your animal stand-ins are, at the end of the day, the only way to know how lethal hypothermia can be is to have people die of hypothermia. Well, we found them that way. Yeah. (laughs) Well, sure, you can have accounts of people that it happened to, but that's usually trying to work backwards from a corpse, and they don't happen all that often. Is it worth setting such horrible people free if you know exactly how far away your grenades can kill someone? Can we tell them we're going to set them free and they'll be like, psych? (laughs) (laughs) Or how about to know the best way to combat frostbite? To know at what stage during a pregnancy is most dangerous to the fetus for a mother to contract syphilis. Is that worth it? No. (laughs) Well, the Russians said, fuck no. (laughs) And they prosecuted everyone they could get their hands on for war crimes. But the U.S. and its allies said, well, let's talk. The frostbite thing. That's <laughs> pretty interesting. Russia's like, you know what? We got frostbite down. Yeah. <laughs> we, we figured that one out. Yes, we know this one. <laughs> we did not have to kill all these people. <laughs> Just come ask next time. <laughs> we, we could tell you. <laughs> you need two cups of frostbite, you come see me. <laughs> Stay inside, big coat. <laughs> So in the end, the U.S. got all that juicy data, and most of the people working at Unit 731 just went home. What? Yep. Some went on to be the head of the Japan Olympic Committee, president of Japan's Medical Association, and Hmm. even the governor of Tokyo. Wow. I see, but wouldn't you wake up screaming every day the (laughs) knowledge of what you've done eating away at your soul? (laughs) Yeah, have some dignity, people. Kill yourself. But they didn't see them as people, is the thing. I I mean, you say that. They were dehumanized. They weren't people. But, like, 
you don't rape animals generally. I mean, some people do, but clearly they were seeing them as humanoids. They were having (laughs) sex with them. (laughs) Like, seriously, like a guy who runs a slaughterhouse doesn't go, well, I think I'm going to go fuck one of the cows before I start. (laughs) How else can I kill this cow? (laughs) So one of the people that got off scot-free was Ishii. Well, that's not right. (laughs) He understandably kept his head down, but he quietly lived out the rest of his days until he got throat cancer, found religion, and died in 1959. No, you can't have religion. Yeah. He converted to Catholicism, and I have to say, if someone like that can be forgiven for their sins and get into heaven, I don't think I want to go. That would have been mm-hmm. awkward for the priest like, at <laughs> confession. Okay, like- we're on day three. Can you <laughs> wrap this up? Oh, I just have so much to talk about, though. <laughs> Father, how many Hail Marys do I have to say? <laughs> Tell it to me straight. Infinite. <laughs> you start saying Hail Marys right now and never stop. So yeah, that was Unit 731. Okay, yeah. we're all educated now. Hail Mary, mm-hmm. full of grace, the plague is with thee. Yep. Pretty awful place. It was sort of unique because, I mean, Germany was sort of doing the same thing and during World War II. This was during World War II, if I didn't make that clear. It was in the 1930s and into the 1940s. But I don't know. I feel like Germany was like, we're trying to round up all the Jewish people. And while we've got them here and we're going to kill them anyway, maybe we should do some experiments. But this was almost the other way around where it was like, I need to do these experiments. And since you've got a war on anyway, can you send some prisoners my way? Yeah. And they started by just like, oh, these are prisoners. But then like the list of things that counted as a crime kept (laughs) getting longer and longer and longer. Although they were basically just rounding up people and herding them in. It became... The crime of not yet being a test subject. Yeah, basically. Hey, you have you have the crime of not having syphilis yet. <laughs> so we're going to move on to our acid pop quiz. We just got a few questions here. So how many people died as a result of Unit 731? Hmm. I'm going with like 3,000. 10,000. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this before. No, it was sort of classified for a good... 40 years and then a bunch of people that work there were finally like, you know what? I think I need to talk about this. <laughs> I, I feel like I have heard of some of this, but not in so much detail. I feel like I should be stoned. <laughs> you know, available. Um, I don't know. 30,000. Well, roughly 3,000 internal test subjects were killed. 10,000 prisoners wow. died in the camp, which may include that 3,000. I'm not sure. And then the biological weapons they tested on prisoners and the surrounding communities killed somewhere between 200 and 400,000 people. Wow. Yeah, you said they were seeding cholera in wells. So uh-huh. I figured. That's a lot of nuts. In one of those cholera outbreaks, the Japanese troops actually caught it and it <laughs> killed like a thousand of the Japanese troops, but that was like maybe 5% of all the people that died of that specific outbreak. He was like, I needed more Japanese test subjects. Great. <laughs> Hooray. Were some of them women? <laughs> so how many people worked at Unit 731? Well, we forgot the one. <laughs> Start up from there and work your way up. 300. How many units did you say there were again? Well, how, how many? Buildings? Groups? Like you said, oh, there divisions? were divisions. Eight divisions. Eight divisions. Uh, it's like a five. This is a 500 person show, including janitors. <laughs> They're important, too. Somebody has to mop up all the mess. <laughs> um, Imagine the stink in that place. Yeah. Oh, man. 100 poor division. So 
800? 800. Well, there were about 3,600 people total wow. that work there, which means there were roughly 100 deaths for every employee that they had. Jeez. Got to meet your quota. <laughs> Even the janitors are killing people. <laughs> well, they haven't tested being bludgeoned to death with a broom yet. <laughs> so how many members of Unit 731 were tried for their crimes? Five. <laughs> you said the Russians did it. Yep. Hmm. Mm, I'll up that. 55. How many did you say there was total? 3,600. 3,600? 3, I'm going to say 1,000. 200. As far as I can tell, seven were hung and 25 were given sentences between 10 and 25 years. <sighs> and then the other 1,000? <laughs> yeah, the, the other uh, 3,000 son? They just no, went not home. guilty. Yep. They just went home. <laughs> That's it. I was just a mouse breeder. <laughs> So we're on to our terms. What were logs? Mm. See, this is this is the reference that I know from this. Oh, yeah. Oh. Logs are, oh, God, would they cut off their arms and legs and throw them in the river? <laughs> Lash them together and make a raft. I'm going to call say it's the, uh, the frozen limbs of the hypothermia victims. Mm. If I remember right, logs are just all the test subjects. <laughs> yep. So one of the cover stories for Unit 731 was that it was a lumber mill. With a moat and electric fences. <laughs> this is good wood. <laughs> so maybe as a result of this, the humans experimented on became known as logs. If nothing else, they were felled by the hundreds and burned up. Yep. It's big. It's heavy. It's wood. <laughs> <laughs> so another creepier name for the test subjects came up, though. Some of the doctors who worked at Unit 731 wanted to publish what they learned, but they couldn't admit to human experimentation. So the test subjects in their documents were called Manchurian monkeys. Hmm. hmm. So what was Operation Cherry Blossom at Night? Operation Cherry Blossom at Night. We're scattering thousands of plague-infected cherry blossoms over <laughs> a town at night. <laughs> it was uh the counterpart to america's plan to have bats with bombs on them mm. except it was cherry blossoms with bombs on them no it was still bats oh. pink bats just they just blew up at night made pretty flowers in the darkness <laughs> i'm gonna be recklessly optimistic it yep. was a escape slash rescue attempt mm. nope so <laughs> no not that <laughs> This was a last-ditched plan hatched in the final few months of World War II. What some wanted to do was to load up planes with some of the choice nasties from 731, and then they would take these plague mice or anthrax or whatever and load them into planes, put them on subs, launch them at America, and then sort of kamikaze into a town somewhere. Hmm. And just spread the infections around as much as they could. Ouch. But Japan surrendered before this plan could get off the ground. But some say it was just an idea and they never really planned to do it. But well, we didn't We didn't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> so what were Fugo? Fugo? Isn't that the fish? Fugo fish. Fugu. Fugu fish. Fugo is what Mr. T yells at you when he wants you to leave. <laughs> Fugo is the, the tofu version of fugu. <laughs> oh, fogo. <laughs> if the prisoners were logs, maybe fugo is the uh, the workers. Hmm. 
Now, so these were Japanese balloons loaded with bombs that were sent floating up from the coast of Japan. Then they would cross their fingers and hope the balloon would float all the way to America and drop on something important. Some 6,000 of these were sent out, of which a few hundred actually made the trip. Oof. Only one ever killed anyone when it landed outside a town, and it blew up five kids and a pregnant woman who went to see what the heck it was. Jeez. But they still turn up every once in a while out in the woods and need someone to come and blow them up. Crazy. So there were plans to use these bombs to deploy biological weapons, but I don't think they ever actually were. Well, but like they couldn't just they couldn't just fill one of those balloons up with rats and have them expect to make the journey across to just drop a bunch of dead rats onto the <laughs> one, one fat rat and a bunch of skeletons. <laughs> oh, oh God, the rat king has arrived. <laughs> They'd figured out exactly how long fleas could live up in a box and how far you could drop them and how to safely land them to oh, have right. them spread out. They had it down. Good for you. You did it, man. <laughs> so that was all the stories I had about Unit 731. I don't have any. <laughs> I'm depressed now. Yeah, it was wow. uh, pretty awful. It's it's hard to gauge whether, you know, this or the uh, Nazi internment camps were worse. Because, I don't know, at least this one, there didn't seem to be a lot of malice there. Yeah. Like, they were just in it for the data. They didn't, like, hate their test subjects. They just wanted info out of them. At least, that's the way it seems. But uh, but it was still awful. I don't know that that makes it better. Yeah. They're both unspeakable. Yeah. I know that yep. some things aren't a competition. These things yeah. are equally bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, if nobody has any personal stories... We'll move on to what are your morals worth? Infinite money. <laughs> Infinite money. So let's say you're in the negotiation talks with uh, the plans to let these people go or to put them in jail. So provided that you get all of that juicy scientific data, how much would you have to be paid to let these people go in exchange for that data? Switcheroo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for all of your files, sir. Now you go to prison. A, an awful lot of money, a, a bajillion dollars. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a price for this one for me. And like, so much of that data seems not necessary. I, I need you to, ter to turn Japan's national debt into the Andy national debt. You owe me <laughs> that money. You I mean, own Japan. A lot of the stuff that America was after was more effective ways to make weapons. <laughs> but Oh, uh, useful. Well, yeah, but I mean... There was actually some scientific data that came out of that that was helpful. Like I know one of the things was for a long time they had a way of um, – the way that people told you to deal with frostbite was to rub the limb vigorously. So like you get the guy's arm and you just like rub your hands on it to warm it back up. Give an Indian burn. <laughs> yeah, basically. But – at this camp, they figured out that the best thing to do is actually to dip it into water, and the temperature of the water is very important. Like, mm -hmm. if it's below 100, it doesn't help very much, but if it's higher than 120, then it causes it. more problems, so that you have to get the water between 100 and 120 degrees, and then dip the limb oh. in and out of it, and that is the best way to prevent frostbite, which has gone on to help a lot of people. Don't care! Yeah. I feel like we might have figured that one out eventually, anyways. Yeah, very possibly. Study it on steak. <laughs> We've got computers now. We can run simulations. Yeah. See how much money Japan would owe me. <laughs> $9.94 trillion. Thank you. Give. Oh, okay. 
You know what? I'll undercut Andy one trillion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the stuff that they did is awful. And uh, yeah, there, there's no getting around that. But they did shut down the camp and they didn't go back to doing awful things. Yeah. And nothing that you do to those people will bring the other people back. You know, it's it's not you, you can't punish them enough to make it worth all the the lives that were lost at i mean at that point though i'd say it's not about i mean they deserve punishment but it's i think it's more about setting a precedent like nobody else should be doing this obviously but yeah you're also gonna get some nasty stuff done to you if you do yeah i don't know it's just i feel like that all that stuff was already in place when they did that yeah yeah but then you learn that the the consequences aren't real yeah like if they, if, if, if they all get off scot-free then all the laws that are in in place saying you can't do this don't actually matter there's no yeah, i just need to discover them. the right kind of science and then i i can go home yeah I, all i have to do is make weapons apparently that's that's true and i guess maybe that's more true now but at the time you know they just buried that this thing ever happened and yeah. it, it didn't come out until i think like the 1990s was when stuff started to surface on unit 731 so maybe now that's a factor but <laughs> certainly not at the time because at the time they just made it all go away Oh boy. Let's see. 300. Well, it was somewhere between two and 400,000. So we'll say 300,000 people died. So let's say that's 300,000 families. So if I wanted to give each of those families, say a million dollars, I'd have to add a bunch of zeros onto that. So yeah, that's probably the neighborhood of (laughs) the trillions too. If you get a million dollars and a new pet rat. Yeah. No, nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> well, I, I made the best case I could. Try them for their crimes. Yeah. Hang them. <laughs> for your crimes. <laughs> Seven I, were. I'm against capital punishment, so I don't want their heads cut off or anything, but they need to be tried. That What they did needs to be public knowledge, and, you know, they need to be locked up somewhere. Spend the rest of their lives cleaning test tubes with their tongue. <laughs> 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 got pangolin tongues and you know any any assets they have should definitely be stripped and given to the families of the victims yeah i don't think that was much though <laughs> i mean most of the people there were just just yeah. working guys yeah not billionaire scientist playboys no i don't think even ishii was like you know he wasn't loaded or anything completely just for the love of the love of the game yeah basically Sorry, this one was such a downer, but I wanted to talk about Unit 731 for a while. I was trying to do an episode on, like, the cost of scientific knowledge, but 731 just outstrips anything else in that regard. So I decided to just talk about that. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. Thanks to our editor, Gerard, for honing in the experiments on how to edit us best if you'd like to follow us more you can find us on instagram or twitter at acid pop podcast you can contact us at gmail at acid pop podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on reddit if you'd like to support this show you can look us up on patreon to get access to episodes early and bonus episodes thanks for tuning in and remember dip your frostbitten arms in water bye